Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Blacks, a rich, smooth, and truly delicious chocolate experience. Welcome back to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. So here we are. We're not allowed to visit anyone or have any visitors, and we seem to be moving ever closer to level four. But if it means case numbers go down and there's fewer people in the ICU, I think we can all get on board with battening down the hatches a little bit more. At least the schools are still open. Let's hope it stays that way. And if you're looking for a pandemic distraction, and God knows we all are, remember our second big night in of season two is coming up on Saturday. It's with Glamour Editor-in-Chief Cork Woman Samantha Barry and tickets are still available on irishtimes.com forward slash big hyphen night hyphen in. You might not be able to have any friends around, but we will come around via Zoom and we can have a great hour talking to Samantha about going to George Clooney's wedding. She's great friends with his wife, Amal, and about doing a job interview with Anna Wintour, which, to be honest, sounds scarier than COVID. Um, you know, I'm being flippant, but seriously, imagine it. Um, thanks to our sponsor, Green and Blacks, for providing a delicious hamper of chocolate to one of our guests as a spot prize. And you could be getting a hamper if you join us on Saturday night. And if you want any more information about that or anything else, we're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at IT Women's Podcast. And our email is thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. And I just want to say, if you don't subscribe to us, would you mind subscribing to us? That would be brilliant. And also telling your friends because we're trying to boost subscriber numbers. So thank you very much if you would help us with that. Now, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about pregnancy loss. Today is the 15th of October. It's Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day. And this evening, as happens every year, a global wave of light will be created through the lighting of candles by parents who have lost a baby through miscarriage, stillbirth or in infancy. It was impossible not to be moved by the pictures of raw grief that Chrissy Teigen shared on social media a few weeks ago following the devastating loss of her baby boy. But her story was also remarkable because of the taboo that still clings to the subject, despite the fact that so many women go through these experiences. And one of those women is a regular guest on the podcast. Jen Hogan is mother of seven. She's an Irish Times columnist, parenting expert and author of The Real Mum's Guide to Surviving Parenthood. Recently, Jen wrote a very moving article in the Irish Times on her experience with miscarriage. She has had four of them. And on today's episode, she spoke to me about the devastation she experienced after that first loss. I struggled to get dressed. I struggled to function. I just, I, I kept thinking my baby's gone and there's nobody with my baby. It, it, it's, it's hard to explain the sort of thought process I was going through. I just, I'd lost my baby and I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around it. While Jen says the pain is not as raw as it used to be, the memories are still as clear as the days they happened. It's estimated that one in four pregnancies ends this way, and yet the silence that continues to surround pregnancy and baby loss is often deafening. We're grateful to Jen for coming in to talk to us about this really important subject. 
And I began by asking her to tell us about her own miscarriage experiences. So I've had four miscarriages over the course of uh, of my motherhood journey. Um, that kind of surprises people a lot because I suppose they're looking at me with the seven and and there's even been a few comments to say, oh, haven't you them a nice gap between them as if that was all planned, but like nothing, life doesn't tend to work out like that. And um, in between the four, the seven children, we had um, four miscarriages. And um, I, w- I was writing recently about uh, about my experience of it because I suppose certain things going on and, and conversations in the media um, and on the public uh, forum made me, me think back again to my own experiences. And the first one happened when um, I was actually quite young. I was only in my 20s and I had a toddler already. I was still trying to get my head around motherhood. I had come out of quite a bad postnatal depression and I was in a great place and was thrilled to find I was pregnant again. Because even in spite of the postnatal depression, I actually really loved I, I loved being pregnant. I loved being a mother and I was thrilled to find I was I was on the road to, to having another child. And like you're told, I didn't tell people until after the 12 weeks. You know, you're told you don't tell anybody because I don't know why actually you're told not to tell anyone. I think it's in case you bother them if something goes wrong, because obviously if you tell somebody it won't prevent a miscarriage happening, it won't stop a miscarriage happening. If that's going to happen, it's going to happen. But we're still told you don't tell anybody before 12 weeks. So I didn't. And we just passed the 12 weeks and we told everybody and my husband told people in work. And there was huge excitement. We were past three months. There was going to be another baby. Everybody knew. Everybody was congratulating us. And it was great. And as the as the weeks went on, I was starting, I was heading for 14 weeks at this stage. I remember sitting on the couch one day watching Sex in the City, as you do. The toddler was asleep in the bed and I just felt I didn't feel right. And I went to the bathroom and I discovered that I was bleeding and panic set in because I, I just I didn't expect it. I didn't know what to do. I, I kept thinking, oh, my God, we have I have to do something. There has to be some way that I can prevent the worst happening. So because at the time I was living in Kildare, um, my husband, my husband was obviously in Dublin. My husband was working up in Dublin and it was rush hour traffic. So I decided to call an ambulance because I thought if I get to hospital quickly, they'll be able to do something. I, I won't surprise you. I was obsessed with everything to do with parenthood, pregnancy. I'd read everything, anything there was to to read. And I'd heard about people putting or hospitals and doctors putting in stitches at, if you were around the 14 week mark. That could prevent a uh, miscarriage, but of course that depends on, on the reason for the miscarriage, and that's if, if you have cervical um, incompetence. And and so that wasn't the case with me. But we rushed up. That the miss the, the the men in the ambulance could not have been kinder because I still remember ab- the absolute shock and the horror that I couldn't stop this bleeding. And and what was I going to do? Was I going to get there on time? And they were so kind, so so kind to me in the ambulance, trying to reassure me, brought me up to the hospital, wished me the best of luck going in. And I I went in and by that stage, my husband had managed to get to the hospital and he was there and I could see he had been crying. I could see that he was in total shock of what was going on. As I said, it was it was nothing. I had no friends who even had babies, never mind experienced a pregnancy that seemed to have be experiencing a hiccup because that's that's in our heads. It could only be a hiccup. We're, we're going to like we're, we're having a baby. We're, this isn't going to change. And the doctor came out to me and I remember she was so cold. Actually, that was, I think, that's probably my starkest memory of it. She was so cold and so clinical. And she said, there's nobody here to do an ultrasound. And anyhow, we could find a heartbeat now and the um, the fetus could be dead by morning. And that, I mean, that may have been the case. And then unfortunately, it turned out it was the case. But just to deliver the news like that, I, I just couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe the coldness of it. I couldn't believe the clinicalness of it. And I and then off she went. She trotted and told me to come back the next morning. So we had to leave the hospital absolutely devastated. Go home to a toddler who 
didn't have a clue why mum was was so upset. I paced the floors all night. And the next morning we went in and discovered that the baby had died. And it was the most, I think, the single most devastating experience because I just I just couldn't get my head around it. I felt I had failed. I hadn't kept my baby safe. That was my job as a mom. I was supposed to keep my baby and I had somehow, I, I was going over everything in my head. What had I done wrong? What had I, what mistakes had I made? What could I have done differently? It was Christmas. It was Christmas. And I know it was now, like it's always going through miscarriage is horrific, but everybody's in great form. There were lights everywhere that even in the maternity hospital, the trees were up. And I remember walking out of the hospital and, and just going, this can't be happening. This can't be happening. And I went, I went back home to my daughter and I, I just, I can't remember a huge amount of the next few weeks because the weeks passed in a blur. I couldn't, I couldn't cope. I, I went back, I sank back into a huge depression. I got through Christmas for her. The tree went up for her and everything that was supposed to be done over Christmas was done for her. I didn't bother. I, I struggled to get dressed. I struggled to function. I just, I, I kept thinking my baby's gone and there's nobody with my baby. It, it, it's, it's hard to explain the sort of thought process I was going through. I just, I'd lost my baby and I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around it. Jen, did you have anyone to speak with? Because I think for a lot of women listening who've experienced it, I hope it's different now, but that was quite a number of years ago. Was it the case that you were very alone with all of that? You said you didn't know anybody else. So was it kind of like this has only happened to me and I'm here and in this place without any way to process it with somebody? I, I think that that was a huge part of it. I was hugely alone. Um, I remember try, I, I tried to talk to people because I'm, you know, I wanted I wanted to tell people how devastated I was. I wanted somebody to be able to say something to make me feel better or to, to fix it. You know, there is no fixing that situation, but I wanted to try. But I found that people were very uncomfortable around the whole conversation. They didn't want to discuss you know, miscarriage. And and as the weeks went by and I was still struggling to get my head around it, I didn't know where to turn. Nobody, as I said, had been through it. As the weeks went on, I found people felt that I should really have got over it by now. You know, it was actually even said to me, you're not the only woman ever to have lost a baby. That that was said. And and that while that sounds incredibly cruel, it was nearly this attempt to shock me into um into copping on people others said oh it wasn't a real baby aren't you lucky you weren't further on aren't you lucky you didn't know them aren't you lucky you already have Chloe I knew I was really lucky to have Chloe I knew that but but all these comments said with the intention of making me feel better just made me feel actually really ashamed of my grief and really as really embarrassed by how I was reacting as if it was um it wasn't proportional to my loss but the loss felt huge there was nobody really talked I did talk to my GP and he was great except I suppose he just couldn't understand my grief and I remember at the time um a different GP now um obviously back then to now and he he said to me Jen you're very sensitive to the whole issue of pregnancy (laughs) and we're going you're trying to you're trying to me to tell me here that I'm reacting poorly to this news that maybe you know maybe it is an overreaction, maybe what everybody else is saying is wrong. I did go to therapy and I had um, a counsellor, but I think like lots of people who might have gone to counsellors, you have to find the right counsellor. And my counsellor was going through her own issues um, and 
they were also pregnancy related, but they were very gender focused. And for me, the gender of the baby I'd lost didn't matter. I'd lost my baby. And I think we were the wrong, we were the wrong fish because I was grieving my baby. And Sorry, I just I think I think the fact that you even know what was going on for the counsellor is is a red flag to me about your the fact that she wasn't right. I don't think you were there to hear about her issues, you know. No, maybe that's true. Um, we we weren't a good fit, so I didn't find that helped. But I do remember one time, and I am going to be honest, I don't, you know, I know some people get great comfort from clairvoyance and speaking to psychics and things. That wouldn't be for me. And I remember walking by a van in Newbridge in Kildare. I was living there at the time. And it was a seventh daughter of a seventh daughter. I think that, that was the whole thing. And the person was supposed to have these powers and going, will I go in there? And will, will she be able to tell me some more about my baby, what I did wrong or what was I, I'm just walking by somebody who doesn't believe in this sort of thing. Going, I have I have to find some answers. And there was no answers. The hospital had no answers. They couldn't tell me why I'd lost the baby. There was no follow up counselling, actually. The, the, the miscarriage nurse was lovely in the hospital, but that was it. Then you were kind of left to navigate your own grief and and cope with your own loss. And it was it was really the most challenging period, I think, of my parenthood journey, even probably more so than the, the ones that followed because it was the first time. And that very first time it happens, you're not expecting it. But after that, I suppose the innocence in pregnancy is gone. You know, you know, after that, two lines on a pregnancy test just mean maybe there'll be a baby. It, do, it doesn't guarantee anything. So your second miscarriage, you had three children at that stage. Yeah. I, I presume I then that the, the kind of people thinking get over it must have been even more pronounced because you now have three lovely, healthy children. You've had a miscarriage. So surely you should just move on. Was that a bit yeah, of an attitude? That was absolutely the attitude, Roisin. Um, the second one, uh, we had got the, the consultant the obstetrician was really kind and I remember he brought us in as he did on the previous two babies to check the to do an early scan to check all was going as should and all was going as should on this baby too and so we were happy enough that things were going along we were getting towards the three month mark again not quite as far on as the previous time but getting there and I was due another checkup and I had no babysitter so I brought my I had to bring my my small children with me and at that stage my daughter was seven and I there have I uh, went in to have my scan I had nothing to fear because we had had a scan only a week or two ago and everything was fine and she was there and I'm lying on the bed and she was so in tune her pregnancy I mean she was she'd nearly know that I was pregnant because was, she was used to it she'd have seen mommy over the toilet <laughs> so she knew what morning sickness looked like she had seen all that and she had she knew I was pregnant again she knew because we'd had the scan and as the as, as the ultrasound was being done I could see by the sonographer's face there was a problem I could see they were struggling to find the heartbeat and I remember trying to signal to, to Chloe you, you go over there you stand over there and it was too late she's going where's where's my baby brother or sister where's my baby and and I, again I can see from her face that we we have a problem um we went into the doctor then at that stage and he looked and there was no heartbeat the baby's heart had stopped and that was that w- that was so hard because in Chloe's eyes, that was a babe in arms. And she, you know, she was seven years old and she's being told mommy's baby's gone. And it was it was really traumatic because we, we, I left the hospital. I had the children with me. It was news, totally unexpected news. And this time there was her grief to try and navigate as well. And I remember actually the school, her school were brilliant because we had to tell the school what had happened because she was going to school extremely distressed. 
And I remember um, the, the teacher trying to chat with her and in the ways that teachers can only get across, sometimes that parents, the word, you could be saying the same words, but it doesn't mean the same thing. And that was very hard because she struggled with, with that the whole time. I found it really hard to get my head around again that we had lost another baby, again, that this had happened, that it obviously wasn't just a fluke. It could happen again. And I was going to have to get my head around not having managed to keep a baby safe again. But there was very little sympathy I found this time. The whole idea that I had three children, somebody even said to me, maybe you weren't meant to have any more. Maybe three is enough. Well, that obviously wasn't true. (laughs) Obviously, it wasn't true. And you see, that's it. I've said that to you before, Roshan. There's a certain judgment goes with my sized family. There's a lot of support, huge support and lots of curiosity. But there's also a degree of judgment goes with it, too. So, you know, you're getting that you're having you're just being greedy now. You not think three is enough. Who has? I remember one mother saying to me, I mean, who has four in these days? And, And I'm standing there. And I was actually losing the baby at the time. Her timing, she didn't know, in fairness to her, she didn't know. But her timing, I was I was in the middle of miscarrying that child. And she she said, who has four? Like, it's, just, it's just crazy. It's ridiculous. Of course, obviously, I, I went on to have four. But but she, and, and more, but she, um, she just, that was her judgment. But there was a lot of people didn't feel that it was the same loss because you had three. And I, I suppose I always say my children aren't interchangeable and my losses mattered just as much. And I felt them just as much. Um, having the other children was a huge comfort but it didn't take away the grief or the sense of loss that I felt for this much wanted baby you know that this 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 was my you know, when you find out you're pregnant and you're hoping to be pregnant and you're looking forward to the future you visualize that future with the baby you change your eating habits you change your drinking habits you you change lots of your behaviors to keep baby safe and so it was all those dreams gone and, and that baby that I visualized gone again, just ripped from beneath me, but with, without the support and sympathy that somewhat, there was some there the first time, some, even though people didn't know what to say, but this time it was, well, you have three, you know, you'll be grand, you know, these things happen. And so that was, that was again, very, very hard to get through. I, I think it, it either goes from silence to inappropriate or inappropriate comments as one or the other. It's really hard. And it's trying to find that somewhere in between just to and offer support. Listen, you know, I do think it's different for everyone. And I think it's, it's a, such a common experience for women, you know, uh, pregnancy loss at various stages. I mean, it's much more common than maybe people who aren't aware of these things. And uh, no, it's one in four, I think of women, but, um, for you anyway, when you think of those four losses, like do you sometimes think about the ages they'd be? Do you actually, that kind of thing? Because I know some people wouldn't, which is fine if if that's the way they are. But for you, how was it? Or how is it? For me, I do. There is that very, ta- I, I needed something tangible. So besides doing things, which I know a lot of other women have done, things like planting a bush or planting a tree or, or doing something like that, I needed something tangible. So I have on my Christmas tree, they're actually, all my children have an individual decoration with a little picture of them as in their first Christmas inside it, a little Newbridge silverware decoration. And I have four others for the four children that I never that were never born I have those on the tree hanging alongside the seven so there's 11 take of a pride of place on the Christmas tree and they're there and and my kids know that they're those those other decorations are there for their siblings who were never born um I remember I think I probably remember quite privately now because time has moved on as I said there were four miscarriages got there two further ones it I, I remember the dates that they should have been born. I remember the age they should be now. I remember the day the miscarriage has happened. I, I suppose I quite, quite quietly and privately remember those days every single year. And I, 
I suppose I'm reflecting on it. I don't necessarily even discuss it with my husband and children because I suppose I'm, I don't want to upset them. They're aware. And tonight, you know, we will light the four candles to be part of the, the global wave of light. We will do that and they'll know why I'm lighting the four candles. But when it comes to milestones and different ages and stages, I do because I don't want to forget them. I was their mom for a short period of time, a very short period of time. I don't, I want them to, I want to remember them. I, I don't want to forget them. It doesn't hurt the same way it did before. Like, I mean, it is when you, when you go back in time and you're thinking and you, you can see how vulnerable you were in your head when you replay situations in your head, but it, it I, I'll never forget them. The pain eases a little bit, but I'll never forget the four that I didn't have. I don't want to forget them. Yeah. I mean, when you heard about Chrissy Teigen and saw that story, I feel like um, her pregnancy loss kind of was a bit of a turning point in there was a few people saying, oh, why is she being so public about it? Why is she sharing this story? But most people really were very, very kind. And the commentary was, this is okay to talk about. This is a really important thing to talk about. Do you think it's changing compared to when you had your first miscarriage? I think it is. I think it is. Or maybe it's just that women are getting braver and going, I'm, you're actually, you're not silencing me here. I refuse to allow this be a taboo. You know, anything to do with women, women's reproductive health, anything to do with their uterus seems to be hush hush, you know. And so I was, I, it was anybody who saw those pictures of Christine and she, I mean, the, the raw pain on her face. I don't know how, I know there was a degree of trolling. I don't know how anyone could, could have felt a need to troll. There was just pure the pain she was obviously going through and it was wonderful that she did even in in the middle of that pain in the midst of that pain that she spoke out and she shared that experience I think it was a a really great thing that she did this because it got that conversation going it reminded women that it is okay to acknowledge loss that it is okay to talk about these things that miscarriage and pregnancy loss and baby loss is painful it's messy it's it's distressing and that it, it is important that we have these conversations and that we don't allow ourselves to be hushed because other people are discom- are uncomfortable with it or because there's a degree of discomfort that's mm-hmm. that's not okay that um anybody should feel they should hide their loss and sorrow and grief for some, because it might make somebody else uncomfortable so I am really I, I'm I, I feel really grateful to her that she did use her platform and did use her position and speak about it because it's a conversation that we really need to have we need to support women and men too because in fairness partners are sometimes forgotten about it too but it's the woman I suppose who goes through the physical side as well as the emotional side so it's it's a really important conversation to get out there. You are listening to the women's podcast brought to you by Green and Black's Organic Chocolate chocolate to savour. Going back just on the sort of psychology behind it, why do you think it is that um, there has been that attitude? Maybe it's changing. Hopefully it is that it's kind of like, will you just now shut up, get over it, stop talking about it, don't be parading that kind of a loss in people's faces. Where do you think it came from? Um, I mean, I suppose you'll have people often say with any kind of a grief that it's difficult when time passes because people feel uncomfortable. They feel they don't want to be upset by your grief. There's a degree that and they don't want to make things worse. Most people are good and they don't want to make things worse. And so they're uncomfortable with that whole conversation. I think when it comes to miscarriage, it probably goes right back to periods and the fact that anything like that is so taboo and and it shouldn't be taboo. But, you, you know, there's not many. Well, we might be getting better at it. You're still not going to have a general conversation where a girl sits down and has a discussion with her grandfather, for example, at that, you know, and says, oh, guess what? I got my period today and this is how it all worked out. We don't have that same level of conversation and obviously 
pregnancy and miscarriage and periods they're all interrelated and we still keep those whole subjects around women's health and women's reproductive health and women's reproductive organs we keep that all very quiet and you know under the carpet and maybe discussed hush hush amongst women but not generally out there not paraded not platformed not it's a biological function I don't understand why we don't treat it as such and 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 why we don't have the discussions as such and why it is so shameful and taboo I, I don't there is still a degree of shame I think around periods the fact that there is still that 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 silence you know we don't very openly talk about it it's, it's, it's something for when you're older you know we tell younger girls maybe if they inquire early so that was the link between miscarriage and periods and 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 that's even if I said that earlier on like miscarriage is messy it, not only is it emotionally distressing it's physically it, it's a, a physical ordeal there is blood there is pain there is devastation all of these things it, it's a it, you're going through that whole experience together those whole challenges to every aspect of your being your emotional the emotional side the physical side everything and, and we don't talk about that we don't talk about this like I wasn't actually nobody spoke to me about the miscarriage when I was miscarrying and I went I was sent home to continue miscarrying my second baby at home nobody told me what was going to happen I didn't expect to be doubled or to be lying on my bed doubled over in similar to early labor pains as the miscarriage happened. I didn't anticipate the devastation of passing my baby. I didn't I didn't know this was coming. I didn't realize I'd be sitting on the couch and suddenly there would there'd be blood coming through my trousers. And I didn't know any of this. But I, I still remember passing the baby and, and nothing prepared me for that because it had been it's not so bad. Everything is it, it, there wasn't enough enough conversation about what was going to happen, because even even on that to that degree of it, with having been in the hospital, there was no discussion around it. I was sent home to miscarry. That's what what was what happened. And I wasn't prepared for that side. Of it. And I think that whole that whole link maybe with with periods maybe that's why we have so much silence around it still well there'll be lots of people listening Jen I think and for whom this will be really helpful because they'll have been through it themselves and to hear someone else talk about it is always very useful I think but there'll be some people listening who this hasn't touched at all what would you say to the people maybe about what's the right thing to say or how to if you know talk to their friends who maybe have experienced this or maybe just how to change their thinking around this whole subject have you any advice well, I suppose you've, you've said the statistics there, one in four. I mean, the chances are all of us know if we haven't been through it ourselves, we know somebody who's been through it. And I think it's about respecting how the person wants to deal with it. Some people will want to talk about it. Some people might want to deal with it privately. And, and obviously, however anybody wants to deal with it is up to them. But it's up to them, not up to you. You have to support them and their their way of grieving. So I would advise if you know, if you have a friend or a family member who's been through it, don't shy away from them. Don't disappear. Don't worry that oh if I say something you know I'll make it worse there, there is that kind of I, I know there's this line of thinking that I won't say anything because if I don't say anything then I won't upset her as if you've forgotten what's happened to you you know address the issue let them know say I'm here for you what can I do I'm sorry for your loss do you want to talk you know in, offer that option to talk I think sometimes saying I'm here if you want to talk. It's it's a nice gesture, but that means that puts the onus back on the person to have to bring the conversation up. So I think a more direct question is probably better. And also to remember, it's not just in the days after it happens. A couple of weeks down the road, sometimes the enormity of what's happened hits the woman too. And it's time to remember that. And if if you're close enough and you know the details, you know when baby was due or you know 
you know there are particular milestones coming up it doesn't do any harm to be any um bit more maybe sympathetic and a bit more available just to think of I suppose the woman around those times coming up to to due dates and coming up to, to the different milestones something nice a little bit of company if you can that's all very sensible before you go Jen um speaking about the children that you do have the seven um we have spoken to you recently about schools and how that was all going so can you bring us up to speed because yours is a bit of a logistical nightmare but also just about how you feel it's all going I mean I feel personally just with my two things seem to be going very well and the school are dealing so well with all the new um, regulations and precautions that are in place how's it been for you? Oh, it's been great. I mean, in France, the schools have played a blinder here. They're they're absolutely brilliant. The children are, the kids are so happy to be back. And I'm so happy that they're back, not just because obviously it gives me a couple of hours to work peace. That's not it. It's seeing how mentally um, well they are being back and seeing their faces light up, seeing how happy they are to see their teachers, to see their friends, to have that routine. And it's different. It is very different. I have a junior infant who started and I'm very aware of how different his experience is versus his older siblings experiences, because obviously little things like play dates where you'd have helped them meet up and get to know their friends. That's not on the cards at the moment. That's not an option for us. And they're in their little pods and groups and they can't mix. They can see maybe a pal who's in a different class and they're waving across the line rather than playing with them. There's the constant watching. There's very much the awareness of masks in the primary schools. They're not wearing the masks, but obviously in the secondary schools it's different. So there is there is that um, that side of things. It's different, but the kids are so happy to be back Even across. I think in the secondary schools, I have to cut the students some slack as well as the, the teachers. The teachers and principal have done an amazing job. It's hard for the secondary schoolers to wear those masks all day. I think, you know, it's hard. I think anyone who's wearing a mask, you're glad to get it off at the end of your 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 shopping trip or where, whatever reason you're wearing it for. So I think fair dues to the students as well as the teachers who are wearing the masks all day, but they're getting on with it. I do think, again, it, it's hard for them to mix because they're not allowed to um, mix with the different classes. And for the first years in particular, you've got that challenge of trying to make friends. But as a whole, school is going brilliantly. I'm I'm glad we're not closing for two weeks at the midterm. I hope that stays the same because I would like normality to continue. I think at the moment, everything is so abnormal. Any little bit of normality is so important for the kids. And a lot of their activities are gone. So school has nearly become even more important because there aren't those um, abilities to, to escape outside of school that we had that, that um, we had maybe earlier in the school year. They're gone now as the restrictions continue. But no, generally as a whole, school is going brilliant. But unfortunately, homework is back. That's yeah. it. I'm not happy about. If that could go again now, I'm pleading to any teachers and principals listening, get rid of homework. Well, we'll have to do a whole other podcast on homework, Jen, because I know you have an awful lot to say about that. And maybe we'll get some experts from another country in to talk about it, too, where they don't go down the homework road so much. But listen, thanks for being so open and honest. And, um, you know, it takes it does take a courage as well to bear yourself like that. It's In a way, it is a very private experience, too. Not necessarily something you want to tell the world about, but I think being more open about it will helps other people and helps people to just normalize this this like this very normal part of women's lives um that should be talked about and like you say a biological thing that happens um but i am sorry for all your losses as well and uh as i said october is pregnancy and baby loss awareness month so there'll be a lot more talking about it i think jen hogan thank you very much thanks roshin 
Thanks very much to Jen Hogan for talking to us there. The whole month of October is Pregnancy and Baby Loss Awareness Month and we'll be returning to this subject again. But for now, that's all we have time for. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, and by Suzanne Brennan with JJ Vernon on sound. Take care of yourselves, keep safe, and we'll see loads of you hopefully for the big night in on Saturday. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>